The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ, here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Especially and happily today, we welcome to our midst Marsh Chapel's own Inner Strength Gospel Choir, singing two anthems under the direction of Dr. Herbert S. Jones. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved and devout friends, ladies and gentlemen, gathered community, the soul needs prayer like the lung needs air, like the body needs rest, like the stomach needs food. The soul needs prayer like the lung needs air. We pause to begin this week as we intend to begin each and every day with a quiet moment, a meditative moment, a confessional moment. As the choir sings our traditional Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, may we bow in individual confessional prayer. Let us pray. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 25 through 31. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the impending crisis, it is well for you to remain as you are. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you do not sin. And if a virgin marries, she does not sin. Yet those who marry will experience distress in this life, and I would spare you that. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as, as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying together verses from Psalm 15 with the antiphon. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart. Who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors. In whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord who stand by their oath, even to their hurt, who do not lend money at interest and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to, the, to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled, settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering what you did not when you did, where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I did not reap, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not sc scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they will have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. We shall set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Master. Check for a moment and see if you have some change a coin or two in your pocket or in your pocket book. And if so, come with me for a moment. We're going to take a visit. Pay a call in a village five and dime store. This is not Wall Street and this is not even Main Street. This is a back street, but you love this store. You've been coming here for decades, one way or another. Here, as a child, you are able to buy a Halloween mask, or a scarf in the winter, or a squirt gun in the spring, or a yo-yo come summer. And when autumn returns, you can return yourself and find a pen and a, a paper and a pad. The 
Gathering there each day, each weekday, is in the midst of a small business. The economic backbone of some of our communities still is made of small farms and small stores and small enterprises like this one. John Wesley said of his English folk, we are a nation of shopkeepers, and still it is so across the Northeast in many places. The aroma, the scent of the space is as it was four decades, five decades and more ago, a mysterious mixture of newsprint and perfume and paste and bubble gum. And when you step on the tongue and groove wood floor, it only creaks in one spot and you know ahead of time whence the sound. This simple store is the stage on which an elder man gives his daily, his weekly performance. He has a shock of white hair and a handlebar mustache. And he has that gladness, that permanence, amid all of the impermanence of his setting. Impermanent goods, impermanent seasons, impermanent expenditures. Why he should be so blessed is a bit of a mystery still, for of anyone in that town, he might have the most reason to question his role. His clients are about four feet tall. Their income is made through the mowing of lawns and the shoveling of sidewalks and the raking of leaves and the delivery of newspapers. They are diminutive. They have to reach up to touch the counter. And how he ever made a living, one does not know. But in the midst of all that impermanence, he had a sense of something lasting. He looked a little bit like the Wizard of Oz. When I sat with him in midlife at a Rotary meeting, a fellow visiting Rotarian with him, he had that same dark delight in his happy eyes. When our son Christopher was six. On his birthday, we happened to be near the town, so we stopped in to find some candles and a fishing pole, and I reached down to get the Wall Street Journal and looked up just in time to see Chris fingering inside his wallet. Now, I haven't, hadn't seen him buy anything before. I haven't seen him buy much since. He's a frugal soul. But there was a candy that had caught his eye, and he'd tiptoed up to put it on the counter. And he was fishing in that moment that passes from childhood to maturity, from young adulthood to emerging adulthood. They are, in some ways, the college years so represented. And he waited to make that final decision. The wizard knew better than to say anything or to interfere or to offer help. He just leaned in the sunlit, sun-dappled morning and waited. And in that eternity, these first experiences, almost any, are such holy moments. After a moment, out came the coin, up it went on the counter, down came the candy, and the deal was struck. Somehow, over time, and we don't have much time, once the impermanent essential needs 
of the day are met, once we have a sense of the impermanence of goods and exchange and seasons, there can emerge, perhaps this morning for you, another kind of desire, a different kind of longing, a distinct, discrete otherness of heart, a longing not for the impermanent, but a longing for what lasts, matters, counts, is real, a longing for, a desire for, an experience of God. People come to church hungry, hunting for an experience of grace, love, delight, divine love. The desire, as Shelley put it, the desire of the moth for the flame, of the night for the morrow, the devotion to something afar from the sphere of our sorrow. The prophet Micah ben Imla, and we'll interpret our gospel today through the Hebrew scripture and through the epistle both, seven centuries and more before the life of Jesus of Nazareth, had that same longing over against the similarly impermanent condition of his situation. And he brought you an epigram. You can write it if you need to, but you can remember it full well about how to find a path out from under impermanence toward what lasts. He recognized, as you perhaps do, that one path toward God lies through generosity, through the use of talents, five talents, two talents, one talent, all. So Micah ben Imla reminded us, what does the Lord require of you but to do and to love and to walk, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly in our time across the globe and in the Middle East and across the country and in the middle American states and this week and in these hours, we shall need to muster, shall we not, a prayerful path toward what lasts through the doing of justice in giving and speaking and acting to make sure that we do so justly in a way that helps to make and keep human life human. And to love, whom to love, how to love. We have a proclivity to, as Augustine put it, love what we should use and use what we should love. We tend to love the visible and the material and the tangible and to use those about us, sister and brother and other. We need to love people, to use things, and to walk with a bit of humility. You know, most of us have more in our pockets than just the six-year-old's quarter and dime. We carry 
many of us a bill or two more, though we should ever, especially Sunday, be aware of those at the dawn of life, the twilight of life, and the shadows of life who have great need. We, though carrying around what we do, our clothing and our positions and our degrees and our material well-being, we might benefit from a reminder to walk humbly. Amid the impermanence of today, November 16, 2014, there is a lingering longing, is that right, on your part, for an experience of God. The Apostle to the Gentiles, the 27 books of the New Testament, are all written in Greek, and it could be argued that they are all written by Gentiles, except those sent from the Apostle to the Gentiles, Paul of Tarsus. Paul puts impermanence in sizzle mode. He has come in Greek and speaking to a Hellenistic world, but he is doing so with his inheritance of apocalyptic eschatology. You heard it last week when Brittany Lungsdorf read from 1 Thessalonians. The Lord himself will descend with a cry of command, the archangel's call, the sound of the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we, the living, the remaining, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we shall always be with the Lord. That's an expectation. That's permanence. That's impermanence personified. That's impermanence on sizzle mode. And so here, speaking to the moral failings of his Corinthians, Paul will say, I mean, brothers and sisters, the time has grown very short. He expects the end. Therefore, let those who have wives live as if they had none. Those who mourn and rejoice as if they were not mourning and rejoicing. Those who buy and sell as if they had no goods those who deal with this world as if they had no dealings with it, for the form of this world is passing away. It can happen three years into college or 40 years into life, but you realize over time that all this impermanence, seasonal, material, exchange, change, is making way for another longing, perhaps yours this morning, a longing for an experience of the divine. It's easy, in fact, even for the clergy, too easy to forget. People come to church hungry for an experience of God. One path toward such an experience is through giving and through generosity. Now each November you have heard us and you have forcefully and fruitfully responded. You have heard the need of Marsh Chapel to support the ministry here. We're looking for a donor to complete the endowment of the deanship. We're learning for several donors to help us refurbish our building. We're looking for many others to help us support our global and musical and ministerial outreach. Thank you for your generosity, but today, this November, we speak an encouraging word not about this space or this ministry, but about those churches across New England who over the next six weeks will, appe will appeal to your support. 
You know, those listening on the radio, many of you have come out of your own service and are heading home on the highway, or others of you are at home because you are ill or homebound and are listening to Marsh Chapel, but you have a home church. Or you are at work and were not able to go to your own hometown church, so you're listening on the radio, and we appreciate your connection, your participation in the gospel here. But sometime in the next six weeks, you'll receive an invitation from your local church inviting you to support the ministry there. And I honor in this moment those clergy and lay leaders across New England who every November stand and speak and wait and hope. I think of the lights in the churches across New England, some dimmer, some brighter. What would happen if those lights became dim or went out? What would happen to children and education, to worship and music, to fellowship, discipleship, to mission and outreach? What would happen in those villages and towns and cities to the witness, to singing the song and ringing the bell and telling the tale of what lasts? Churches don't have a tax base on which to found their work like, for instance, schools. Churches don't have some tangible good, some item to give and sell to found their ministry, unlike businesses or other. Churches don't even have diplomas or certificates to offer after four or five years, as does a university or a college. Here's what they have, courage a spirited, adventurous soul, a willingness to stand in the wind of the unknown and year by year depend utterly on your free will decision of what you are going to give. They are like some of the surfers that we shall see in San Diego this next week. The sun is up and the wind is blowing and the board is flowing and the tide is rolling. And they stand, and they balance, and they lean, and they hang ten, and they may sail, and they may fall, depending on what you decide to do. I honor them. I applaud them. And I'm grateful for their courage. You know, we were raised, that is, Jan and I were raised in a community of people who had that kind of willingness to say to one another in what they did and what they didn't do, don't get too comfortable. Recognize impermanence for what it is. They were older folks who had learned to tithe in their teenage years and had continued to do so through a lifetime. They were grizzled and veteran trustees who watched out for the building and the boiler and the endowment and whose hearts were really in mission in Tegucigalpa. They were women who in prayer had given life and birth to various forms of children's and other ministry. And the clergy, they were itinerant. That is, and this is your heritage, Marsh Chapel. They came out of John Wesley's pattern of itinerant ministry among the poor. They went where they were sent at the whim or the insight or the befuddlement or all of some general or district superintendent. They were willing sometimes every three years 
to pull up stakes, to leave the familiar for the unfamiliar, to live on a modest income, always with a guaranteed appointment, to plant a garden in the spring and not know whether they would be there to harvest it in the fall. And so, for that reason, to take all the more care as they did so. They lived, shall we not as well, with an existential reserve, a readiness to say, to say in what is done and undone, don't get too comfortable. The form of this world is passing away. We were taught before we knew the words. We were taught in the music of life, the power, the potential for an experience of the divine that is embedded in generous giving. Some years ago, I officiated at a wedding. Most weddings have a little drama in them, as you're probably aware. This one was full of such. The soloist came as a friend of the bride and offered a beautiful musical interlude. Following the service, we talked and debriefed about the experience, the wonderful moment there. I asked her where she was from. She said, oh, you wouldn't know. It's a little village. I said, try me. She said, well, I, I was raised in Alexandria Bay up on the river. I said, oh, I know Alexandria Bay. She said, yes, I, my mother raised us there. I said, did you ever know the Reverend Harold Pennock? He was my wife's grandfather. And all of a sudden, a pleasant conversation became torment. Her eyes filled and her cheeks reddened and she stammered and she said, and I thought, isn't this just like the ministry? The pastor walks into a room and everybody feels uncomfortable. She couldn't speak. I said, I'm so sorry. She said, oh, no, you don't understand. We lived in a very modest home. I loved music in the church and I grew up singing. And as I came toward the conclusion of high school, your wife's grandfather took me aside and said, have you ever thought you might look like to go to college? She said, no one in our family had ever been to college. I didn't know what to do. He took me to the library. He showed me the addresses. He helped with the letters. But once admitted and with a scholarship, she said, there was still the matter of funding. We had no money. We had a struggling single-parent home. He said, well, why don't you... It's only two and a half hours north. Why don't you go for a semester and we'll send you a little bit from the church. Just try it out. So every first of the month, the small check came. It wasn't only the money, it was the fact that someone in that town could see who I might become. And one semester led to a second and one year to a second and I completed my degree. But she said, it was only some years later that you know how little towns are. I learned that the money came through the Alexandria Bay Methodist Church with a little post stamp there. But it came from Harold Pennock and his wife, Anstris. And by that point, we were both of full eye and red cheek. And I said, what are you doing now? And she said, well, I just finished teaching 30 years of music. 
and I'm the part-time director of a music program in a church in Albany. And I said, I thought I could see that coming. Generosity over time opens the door to an experience of the divine. Teachers, whether from Rochester, New York, or Boston, or any place in between, particularly know and live that and know it well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. We will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. Don't get, don't get too comfortable. Tonight when it's dark, the end of the day, I hope to go out on the esplanade. And I'm hoping you'll go outside too. I'll be thinking of you maybe offering your evening prayer. And with you, I'll offer mine too. And you'll hear the squirrels hunting for food for the winter and you'll see the frost on the grass. And if you're near the river, you'll see the shimmering of light on the water and you'll feel that autumn breeze. And you'll think about whether a path toward the permanent might be opening for you this year in what you choose to do, to give, to offer. And your, might, your prayer might be mine and our prayer might be this. Dear God, help me to love you this coming year by giving to others this coming year. Dear God, help me to love you this coming year by giving to others this coming year. Dear God, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to stretch and try to tithe. I've never done that. I want to, but the coin seems to stick a little bit in the wallet, and that makes me nervous. And the countertop is a real stretch, and that makes me nervous. And the wizard there is silent, and that makes me nervous too. I want to live in faith and exist and hope and act in love, but I need your help. Dear God, help me to love you this year by giving to others this year. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. We will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Master.
please be seated. Sisters and brothers, we gather this morning to pray together, and I invite you to find a posture for prayer that is familiar to you. Remain seated, stand, or come to kneel at the communion rail as our choir sings our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. God, in the midst of the turning seasons, when leaves fall and crackle underfoot, when the sunlight fades before we leave school or work, and when the cold begins to seep into us, it is difficult, God, to remember your constant, unchanging love. Expand our imaginations, O God, so that even as we experience the present form of this world passing away, we are caught up in the steadfastness and abiding calm of your presence, God. We pray this morning for our world. It is easy for us to get tired of the news of violence at home and abroad, to feel weak when we come up against oppression and inequality, to feel worn down by the injustice that surrounds us. Take our hands, Lord Jesus, Lead us on to the light of a dream where every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill made low, where your glory will be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. We pray this morning for our community. Sometimes, God, we get stuck going through the motions of our worship of you. And the rhythms and rituals we tune out, forgetting what is truly required of us. Rise upon us, Holy Spirit, so that our adoration on Sunday may lead us to action on Monday. Enliven us, Spirit of God, to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. And we pray this morning for ourselves. At a time of year when family obligations pile up, finals loom, and papers lay unwritten before us, we often feel as though we have had too many responsibilities in our care. The talents with which we have been entrusted weigh us down. Give us strength and peace for the work ahead, God our Creator, for we profit nothing apart from you. And when we run out of words and scriptures and hymns to pray, we remain ever grateful that our brother Jesus also taught us how to come before God. And so we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. peace of God be with you. We would like to take this time to welcome you again to Marsh Chapel, a sanctuary amongst the city, a place of peace in times of chaos and stress. We hope you find a home here and feel that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, this is the place for you to continue that journey. We would love to get to know you better and to help you get to know one another better. So if you would mind filling out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle, uh, that would be a great thing for us to get to know everyone. You're always welcomed here in this living church. We'd like to update you on current events and announcements for Marsh Chapel. Uh, directly following the service, there will be refreshments downstairs and it's a great time for fellowship and coffee. Everyone is welcome, please join us. We'd like to thank the Inner Strength Gospel Choir and their director, Herb Jones, for sharing the, the gift of music with us this morning. And we encourage you to attend their concert this Friday at 7.30 here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. Advent is coming. I'm happy to announce that for the second year, we'll be offering our online Advent devotion series, The Sustainable Advent Project. It'll, it will again focus on the themes of renewal and rebirth, uh, guided by four of the O antiphons from the Magnificat. You can sign up for daily emails on our website at bu.edu slash chapel slash worship slash advent. For anyone who will be in Boston without a place for Thanksgiving dinner, we invite you to join us for dinner from 1 to 3 p.m. on Thanksgiving in the basement of Marsh Chapel. Uh, space is limited, so please contact the Reverend Brittany Longstorf or Sarah Miller for, to register and for more information. Other events and activities can be found on our website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also an opportunity for online giving. As we beckon the ushers forward, let us re be reminded that it is a gift to be a giver. Whether you are at home listening on the radio or sitting in community with us in the pews this Sunday, we have an opportunity now to practice the ancient sacred discipline of Christian generosity. As the choir lifts us up in song, may you find yourself being as generous as you are able.
us pray. God of life and love, we give you thanks for your presence among us in our praying, our fellowship, our laughter, our singing, our movement, our stillness, and our breath. Wrap us in your love like a warm winter coat and help us to be faithful stewards of everything you have given to us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may shine out into the growing darkness of this winter season and be heralds of the coming dawn. We pray all this through your Son, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. The sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.